0: in a series right now called the full gospel because a partial gospel, a partial understanding of, of what Jesus has actually done for us, it's not going to cut it. We need the full thing. Picture this for a moment. If, if you took your car into the shop to get it fixed because it's making a noise. I don't know how many of you guys are, are really good with cars. Uh, anyone here like, yeah, I can fix my own car. Thank you very much. Anyone in that? Not many, maybe a few shy hands. I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm the guy who when something's wrong with my car, I always do the same thing. I always pop the hood and then go, why did I do that? I don't know what any of this stuff is. You know, I like pop it and I look at it and go, cool, there's an engine. That's checked. Now I should probably get it towed somewhere. Um, if I took my car into the shop and just picture this, this is a scenario, this hasn't happened. This is a hypothetical. Let's say you do that. And uh, you say, hey, it's making a sound. I'm like, cool, leave it with us. We got it. You go and they call you back and say, hey, everything's fixed. Come pick it up. You show up and you pay and they say, great, here's the keys. And then they hand you a bag. And you're like, what's this? And they say, oh, those are the spare parts. And you like open up the bag and there's some screws and some mechanical pieces. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, when we put the engine back together, th- there were some leftover pieces. But you're all good. It's, it's running like a beauty. How many of you would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd trust that. I'd drive off the lot right then and there. Anybody? How many of you would say, no, I'm kind of assuming that all of those parts are important. And I'd like you to put all the pieces back in before I drive it. Anyone in that camp? You're like, yeah, right? Like a partial engine it's just not gonna cut it, but a partial gospel is no different when it comes to our faith. We cannot have a faith that has a bunch of spare pieces because honestly what that does is it opens us up to confusion. It opens us up to discouragement. It opens us up to to accusation. It opens us up to disillusionment, ultimately. We need a full gospel. So that's what we're studying right now. We're actually going through a section of scripture. It's Romans chapter three, verses 21 through 31. It's dense, it's rich. I kind of call Romans and really pretty much anything that Paul writes, it's like spiritual cheesecake. It's very dense, it's very rich, just little bites and take a long time to process. But this might be the most comprehensive detailing of the good news of Jesus that we have in all of scripture. So I'm gonna read it. Normally we read out of a, a translation like the New Living Translation, which tends to put things in more modern day language, but we're gonna read out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. It's a little bit more technical, but it's, a really, it's really important that we get the technicalities when it comes to the full gospel, okay? So we'll, we'll read it. If you're sitting there and you're scratching your head going like, that's a lot of words, but I don't really know what it all means, that's why we're here. So we're all in the same boat, okay? And you're smart, you'll figure it out. So here we go, Romans 3, 21 through 31. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The law and the prophets typically refers to the Old Testament. Like that, that's all been foreshadowing everything that Jesus did. It says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law, in other words, by what kind of a a law or a standard are we justified? Is it by our works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not God of the Gentiles also? Yes, Gentiles also everyone, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. there's a lot there. Like I said, spiritual cheesecake. There's four major concepts that we're exploring in this series. And I do believe that if we have a a grasp on all four of these, and by the way, if you haven't been here, if you haven't watched in the last few weeks, feel free to to tune into the old ones and and catch up. Because if we have a, a grasp on these four concepts, we really have the full gospel. We started with the first concept. We saw righteousness through faith. Righteousness through faith, righteousness is, is being in right standing with God, that we are in right standing with God, not because of what we've done, not because of our good deeds and, and not in spite of our bad, but simply through faith in Jesus. Last week, we talked about the second concept: justification by grace. And we talked about the fact that justification, it's different than forgiveness. We tend to kind of lump a lot of these God words like grace and mercy and all this is just, I'm forgiven. No, it's more than that. Forgiveness is God looking at you and saying, I know you're guilty, but I forgive you. Justification is God looking at you and through your faith in Jesus saying, I find no fault in you whatsoever. You are innocent in my eyes. Today, we're gonna look at the third concept, propitiation, that's a fun word. Propitiation by atonement. And then next week we'll wrap up with the ability to uphold. These four concepts, we understand it. We've we've got the full gospel and that means we get to experience the full measure of everything that God has for us. I want you to understand, God has more for you than you've experienced. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you're at in your faith. If you're just getting started, good news, there's more. If you're 40 years in, good news, there's more. God has so much for you. He wants you to have All of it, the full thing, the full gospel, the full measure of all his blessings. And the more we understand what he's done for us, the more we experience that. So today we're looking at propitiation by atonement. Now sometimes, in fact oftentimes, in in most other translations, that word propitiation, we don't really use words like that anymore. Uh, So it gets translated as sacrifice. And so that video we watched at the beginning was sacrifice and atonement. And and it's important for us to understand what this word really means. I want to use the word propitiation, not because I like old words, but because sacrifice is a little bit more of a general term. And propitiation is a very specific idea. We've got to understand this. We've all made sacrifices in our lives. All of us have. All of us have loved someone enough to make a sacrifice. You've gotten up early in the morning to bless somebody that you love, you sacrifice some sleep so that they could sleep in so that you can maybe take care of something in the house. Like that's a sacrifice out of love. All of us have probably sacrificed financially. You've given up something that you could have had so that, that someone else can have something. All of us who are parents know how much we sacrifice and when you become a parent, you often realize how much your parents sacrificed so that you could have everything that you have. We all make sacrifices out of love. Propitiation, though, it's it's a different kind of sacrifice. It is out of love, but it is a a necessary sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that's being made to satisfy the demands of justice. It's a sacrifice that is, is necessary. It has to be made to satisfy the demands of justice, because at some point, somewhere, an injustice has been done. And without that Propitiation without that sacrifice to pay a, a ransom to pay off a debt, the injustice stands. And this brings us to a, a really necessary characteristic of God that we've got to understand as, as followers of God. The better we know the God that we follow, the better off we are. Our God, He's amazing. He's incredible. He is the God, and one of the things that defines His character is that He's just. Every time I say that God is just, I'm re- reminded of this story. When uh, I was oh man, it had to have been college. My nephew, who's now in college himself, that, which makes me feel awesome and old, um, he, uh, he came to church with us. He had to be four or five. And, uh, and he went to his little preschool class and then he came in the car and we asked him, hey, what'd you learn? And he said, I learned that God is just. And my dad, who likes to mess with people, was like, just what? And he was so confused. He was like, I don't know. But he's just something, you know? God is just. He's just. Scripture speaks to this in so many different instances. In fact, we'll, we'll look at uh, Exodus 34, verses six through seven. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger. I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Now, be honest, how many of us would have liked it if that cut off halfway through? Right? And that's the interesting thing, right? We, we wrestle with this. And by the way, if you've ever wrestled with God, that's a good thing, something we encourage at his hands, be a wrestler. Sometimes we have to wrestle with these concepts that seem contradictory to us. I mean, I thought God is loving, right? He's love. And if he's loving, then how can he also just be this, this God who's just and, and he doesn't overlook the, the guilt that we have or that anyone has? That's a hard thing for us to wrap our heads around sometimes. In fact, oftentimes when people fixate on the love of God, which is a good thing to fixate on, by the way, when they fixate on that, they, they oftentimes grow almost intolerant of the idea of God's justice. It's like, there's just no way that those two things can, can go together. But we see them put together so often in scripture. Check out, for example, now well, let's look at uh, Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. There you see the unfailing love of God, but also righteousness and justice. We're told in Psalm 117, the righteous Lord loves justice. The virtuous will seek his face. God loves justice. Now, as people we tend to like certain types of justice. Like almost all of us probably have a type of justice, a kind of justice that we're all about, that if we see an injustice done in that part of the world or in that sphere of life, it bothers us. But at the same time, all of us, if we're really honest, we're kind of comfortable with other types of injustice. God loves all justice. He loves justice, period. He loves social justice. He loves racial justice. He loves economic justice. He loves former Braves All-Star David justice. He loves all justice, any justice that there is. He loves it because he he just loves justice. And this becomes difficult for us because we're told that God is love and he is. First John chapter four says that, that God is love. That anyone who doesn't love doesn't really know God because God is love. He is love, but the challenge is that he loves us and at the same time, he doesn't overlook anything. And that's that's tough to grasp. Because I think there's part of us that, that just naturally wants to go, yeah, but if you love us, shouldn't you just sort of ignore all that stuff? Because that's what you do when you love someone, right? You ignore all their issues. And that is what you do if you want to deal with resentment like years and years later. In fact, sometimes that's the root of a lot of marriage struggles is like, I love you so much, I'll just ignore that, I'll ignore that, I'll ignore that 20 years later. You drive me insane, right? We need counseling. The reality is God's, God's love is powerful and he loves completely and totally. He loves you completely and totally, but God never sets his holiness aside. He never sets his righteousness aside. God, the father never, never sets his love of justice aside. He can't do it. He loves justice. And we actually see this in And so many stories in scripture, some really powerful stories. One, for example, would be very early on, very early on in the Bible, there's a story of two brothers. And you've probably heard this story. Even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you haven't grown up in church, you've heard of Cain and Abel. And if you haven't, you're about to. Cain and Abel are, are brothers. And at one moment in time, they bring a sacrifice to God. And this is one of those stories that you have to read between the lines because it doesn't give us a lot of the details. But for whatever reason, Abel's sacrifice to God is is acceptable. It's pleasing to God. Cain's is not. And and all we can try to gather from that is that perhaps Cain was resentful in his sacrifice. Perhaps Cain was holding back. Perhaps Cain was was giving the the worst of what he had where Abel brought the best. We don't know. But but God challenges Cain. And how many of us know that when you love someone, you challenge them? When you love someone, you, you love them enough to to let them know what they, they need to do. That, that happens very often and, and God challenges Cain. And he says, Cain, I, I see what's happening. I see what's going on. He says, man, you're, you're in trouble because it's, it's like, he actually says sin is, is basically crouching, ready to pounce, ready to overtake you. But Cain, you've got you've to deny this. You've got to defeat this. You can't let sin become your master. But Cain doesn't listen to God. Instead, what Cain does is he grows resentful and angry and he grows incredibly jealous of his brother, Abel. That, that Abel was pleasing to God and Abel's sacrifice was good. And you know, it's, it's like sibling rivalry, like Abel this, Abel that. And so in his growing anger and jealousy, he actually murders his brother, Abel. And then God shows up in the story and God says, hey, Cain, where's Abel? And Abel turns around and says, how should I know? What am I, am I my brother's keeper? And God looks at, at Cain. We see this in Genesis chapter four, verse 10. He says, what have you done? Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. He says, the blood cries out. I can't overlook it. Cain, I love you, but I also love Abel. And an injustice has been done and I can't just look the other way because your brother's blood is crying out to me and Cain, it cries out and it appeals to my sense of justice. And so God has to, to reprimand Cain. He has to give Cain a consequence. And you can tell even in the story that it, it breaks his heart. God is just. Yes, he's loved, but, but those things coexist with God. He doesn't ignore one for the sake of the other. He never does that. We do that sometimes as people because we're inconsistent, but God is never inconsistent. And by the way, aren't you glad? Can you imagine how terrifying it would be to have a God as powerful as our God who's inconsistent? Who's just like moody and every once in a while, he's like, yeah, I was in a real bad mood that century. Sorry, guys, you know? That'd be terrifying. Maybe that's what's going on in 2020. It just hit me. Maybe, no, I'm teasing. That's not what's going on. But like, that's awful. God is consistent and thank God he is. And so he says, Cain, the blood cries out. See, when an injustice has been done and there has to be some type of retribution, that is a propitiation. That is that type of sacrifice. There has to be some type of atonement, some type type of of repayment. And see, this takes us all to the cross. This takes us to the cross where the, the love of God and the justice of God meet together in very certain terms. Because on the cross, on the cross, Jesus essentially said to the father, hey, put all of the injustice on me. Put it all on me. Every mistake, every misdeed, every wayward thought, every bit of jealousy, gossip, pride, slander, anger, hatred, all of it, put it all on me and I'll pay for it. That's what happened. God, the Father obliged, and Jesus, whose love for us was so great, he paid the price for us. He became our propitiation, our atoning sacrifice. And guys, this is this is so powerful for us to grab a hold of, for us to understand. It's so powerful on on so many different levels. the love of Jesus and and the love of God the Father to let this happen, to let our price be paid. The blood of Jesus spilled on our behalf. Here's why this is powerful, because you know what? The blood cries out. The blood cries out. Just like the blood of Cain, or rather the blood of Abel cried out, and appealed to God's sense of justice and accused Cain? The blood of Jesus cries out and appeals to the Father's sense of justice, his immovable, inescapable sense of justice. The blood of Jesus cries out on your behalf. The blood of Jesus cries out on, on my behalf, on all of our behalfs. So and the blood of Jesus cries out to the Father and says, Father, they are innocent. Father, they are forgiven. Father, they are justified, they are cleansed, they are pure. Father, they have life because of the life that I gave. He says, Father, their debt, it's paid in full, it's gone, it's covered completely because the blood cries out. The blood of Jesus to this day with with, with passion cries out to God and justifies you. And just like the Father because he's just, could not ignore the blood of Abel. He doesn't ignore the blood of Jesus either. The blood of Jesus cries out on your behalf. Because the sacrifice he made, he he became exactly what Romans said, the just and the justifier. God required a payment, so God became that payment. Which, by the way, is way more powerful than God just canceling the debt. He didn't cancel your debt, he paid your debt. That's a whole different level. And what we have to understand, guys, is is that we, we need to grab a hold of this as followers of Jesus because, well, quite frankly, we will stand accused in our lives. We've got to remember that we have an enemy. We call him Satan. And that word Satan, it actually means accuser. At some point in time, you will feel accused in your life. If you haven't already, if you don't right now. Sometimes that accusation comes from from things that other people say or other people think. I mean, how many of us know what it's like just to know that someone else thinks something about us? They won't maybe say it, but we know they think it. And we just feel accused in their presence. How many of us know what it's like to be the ones pointing the finger to ourselves? we accuse ourselves we run through thoughts in our minds that we're failures that we've messed up that we don't measure up that we're not enough at least in some area of our life we we look at ourselves and we say "I'm, i'm i'm off i'm wrong that's accusation and even if you're not experiencing that right now and you're like i've never really experienced that you have an enemy he's an accuser you will So what do you do when you feel accused? What do you do when you feel like you don't measure up? What do you do when you feel like a failure, when you feel like you're messing up, like you haven't lived up to the standard? Here's what you do. You say out loud, the blood of Jesus cries out on my behalf. The blood of Jesus cries out on my behalf and I don't stand accused. Because just like we sang earlier with that song, here's my heart. I am free. I am loved. I'm made pure. I'm made whole. I have life. And the blood of Jesus appeals to the justice of God the Father. And God the Father listens to the blood of Jesus. And he looks at you and he says, you are enough. You are good. You are righteous. You are holy in my sight. Because I'm listening to the blood that cries out on your behalf. That is propitiation. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Amen? Is that not beautiful? That's awesome. I never thought I'd like the word propitiation. It just sounds like a a bad word, you know? As I was preparing for this, I was like, ooh, I'm not looking forward to week three, propitiation. Now it's one of my favorite words. (laughs) Because the blood cries out on my behalf, as it does yours. We're gonna wrap up by taking Lord's Supper. I have it in my back pocket. I actually always carry Lord's Supper in my back pocket. No, I don't, that'd be weird. I'd sit on it, it'd be bad. When you came in, we had some at the, the back. Hopefully you grabbed one. If you're new, we do this every week. If you didn't, you, you, by, the, by the way, you're free to go and grab one. If you're watching from home, grab something. But this meal that we take, this meal is, it's, it's meant to remind us of exactly what we're talking about. This piece of bread, it represents the body of Jesus. That body that was broken as an atoning sacrifice to pay for your sin do you believe that that payment was enough? I do. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's easy sometimes to feel like it was almost enough. You know, Jesus, he he gave his life for you. Shouldn't you have to do something to add to that? Jesus did not get you almost there. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say, Father, I've gotten him halfway there. God, God I've gotten him over the hill and, and all they gotta do is finish it out. No, no, no. Scripture says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. This sacrifice, it paid your debt in full. Madison, a few weeks ago, so, so beautifully spoke and, and he said, stop beating yourself up because Jesus is already beaten up for you. That's what this represents. So with that in mind, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your sacrifice. Father God, thank you for being willing to sacrifice your own son for us. Lord, this bread is precious. It represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus broken for us. A propitiation necessary sacrifice so that we could be made whole, so that we could know you. We thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's take the bread. Now this carries extra meaning this morning. The juice, this represents the blood. And the, the blood that this represents, remember, it cries out on your behalf. And here's the beautiful thing about knowing that God is just. If you ever wonder, if you ever doubt for a moment, and is this enough? Is it enough? Know that, yeah, it's enough because God is just. So he listens to the blood that cries out. He did that with with Abel and he does it with Jesus to an even greater degree. This blood cries out on your behalf. It testifies that you are pure in God's sight, that you are worthy Do you realize how how worthy you are this morning? My dad told me once when I was in elementary school bragging to him about how much my my baseball cards were worth. Uh, He said, son, those are only worth how much someone is willing to pay for them. How much are you worth knowing what God was willing to pay for you? This blood cries out on your behalf. So let's pray. Father, thank you. For the blood of Jesus, precious, God, powerful, valuable, spilled for us. Father God, I pray that as we we take this juice, we commit to never allowing ourselves to stand accused. Sure, we have things to work on. Sure, we have areas of improvement. But in your sight, Lord, we are cleansed. We are whole. We are made, we're made pure because your blood cries out on our behalf and you listen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the juice. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. I got done early. I don't know why, but maybe it's a new chapter for my life. Wow.